Hey everyone, some listeners may find potentially sensitive content in this episode. Please check the timestamps before listening. So basically, it has. Did you do German at no. all? Okay. <laughs> I did a gifted and talented course. Wow. In in like year four. Oh, flexible. Wow. In German, which was like just a day where I went to a different school and they taught German, but it was only like good morning. Oh, check like, you out. Good evening. Yeah. So it has umlauts, and so that's why you extend the O. It's like Erzlem. But you can call me Oslem as well. It's fine. <laughs> so it's like Erzlem. Yeah, perfect. Because okay. Yeah, that was good. I yeah. might just have to like cut that bit out and like <laughs> put it in when I actually say it. <laughs> Soundbite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or is there any particular way you want to be introduced by though? The OG of South... No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> No, I take your creative. Yeah, I beg you do that. <laughs> the OG of Southeast London. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. I didn't say Conway that time, so I might have like, thrown you off. Bro, I was sitting there like, where's the rest of the intro? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome. I've already said welcome. And today we're joined by <laughs> Islam. Yeah, yeah. I tried. I tried. The OG of Southeast London. Oh yeah, the OG of Southeast London. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that in, but like the little little intro bit. <laughs> but yeah, how are you doing? And um, would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm. I'm doing all right. It's been a good day, you know. And what can I even introduce myself as? I went to Warwick, and I do spoken word, and I work for the government, and that's it. <laughs> You were a call out from Anu's episode, Anu yeah. Warwick. Assume you know her through Warwick. Yeah, we did the same course. Yeah. So we did politics and international studies. Well, I don't know if she specifically did that course, but um, all all about po- politics. Yeah. Okay. So that debunks Hamish's theory. Yeah. I thought you were from the Boar or something. I'm like, why did this name or something ring a bell? Yeah. Like- it's because I'm famous. I'm Enoch. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I probably, probably wasn't. <laughs> Maybe, maybe if Hamish knew you. <laughs> Beanox, no Beanox, isn't it? I'm definitely so, not a Beanox. Yeah. <laughs> but then I found out because literally just before this, I followed you. And when I saw the Insta, I saw that you were in DCS. Yeah. So you spent a lot of time in our home where we. Yeah, I did. And I yeah. didn't realize. I'm like, oh shit. I was a bit of a beg. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. No, DCS was a place to be. <laughs> we ran that shit around. I think it was in Anu's um, episode, actually, that you, you were talking about DCS and it actually made me very nostalgic. I miss that place. Uh. <laughs> I don't miss Warwick. Warwick is trash now. I'm joking. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that you work for the government. I know we can't really speak about going to like too much detail for that. But like, what, what can you kind of talk about in regards to that? Just like, how'd you get a job with the government? Man, it was quite difficult. So obviously finishing a university degree in politics and international studies, you graduate and you're like, okay, what's what's next? <laughs> There's not really like nice trajectory, especially if you don't get the graduate scheme. So the civil service fast stream. And I think for six months, I was applying to kind of everything. And actually working for the government wasn't my initial kind of career path. Both my sisters work in investment banking. And so I actually got the Goldman Sachs spring week in my first year. And then I went on it and it was only, I think it was two weeks actually. And after that, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do investment banking. I hate it. It's awful. And I think you you went through the similar thing, didn't you, Aaron? I think I remember 
so I, I didn't really go through like a spring week or an internship at one, but I just knew I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Wait, you said that you had work experience in like EUI or something or bank or... Oh yeah, I had work experience in an don't investment like, bank. Don't play that off. Okay. But that was when I was like 12 years old. Right? <laughs> 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 or like 14 or something. It wasn't like, and it was for two weeks. It wasn't like, although to be fair, that did give me a good, just watching like how miserable people were. It did kind of give me a good, uh, yeah. So I guess it was similar in that sense. It gave me like, okay, yeah, I don't want to do this. So that's how I knew, like when I was at uni, I didn't really want to pursue any of those leads. They were miserable, but the money is sweet though. Yeah. Yeah. They're all dressed nice, wearing nice watches and stuff like that. So, but yeah, yeah. And then, so how I went into like the government side was I went on the international citizen service in my first year as well in the summer. And that's kind of like a program that is run by, well, it's not DFID anymore. It's like FCO and DFID together. But at the time it was Department for International Development and then like a charity. And I went to Nigeria for like three months and I was working with Nigerian volunteers on like a local like kind of project that they wanted to establish. And then after that, you know, I always knew that everyone in the world had different ways of living because I mean, I'm Turkish, so... Like I've been to Turkey and I know how my family over there live, but being in Nigeria on my own in a host family, especially like it, it kind of like opened my eyes to a lot of things. And then after that, I wanted to really get into government and public service here and like do something that's going to help my people them in this country. So that's kind of how I went into government. And then, yeah, so when I graduated, I didn't have the fast stream. I got rejected like three, four times, <laughs> but I kind of just was like, well, there's entry level like job roles that I can apply for. Like, let me just apply as many that's like piqued my interest. And then finally, after months and months of just going to various interviews, I got a role in the home office. Okay, cool. And like, yeah, in the middle of that, you mentioned how three months in Nigeria, how did that come about? And what was it like? So like I said, it was the International Citizen Service. What is that? Yeah. So I don't know if it's still running, but basically what it is, it's a program run with Department for International Development and then like a local charity. So this one was called Volunteering Service Overseas. And they come together and they basically get a group of like young people who want to further their kind of skills and whatever and they match them with volunteers in a foreign country that's partners with like this program and then they get them to work on a project in that country so Nigeria wasn't my first choice I can't even remember what my first choice was I think there was probably was Turkey because I wanted (laughs) to go to Turkey but they they chose Nigeria for me and yeah I was just like okay like I've got Nigerian friends I feel like it won't be too bad like like okay I don't know the culture but like I I just want to go and see what I can do and how I can help and then when I got there I think one of the things that really stood out to me is how vibrant the culture really was like everything was so different and and you don't really realize that being in this country you can have Nigerian friends and not realize that but it was like the clothes the the food the the behaviors like the culture right it was like a proper shock for me because the only cultures that I actually know are British and, or British and like British foreign. 
and Turkish. Like those are the only cultures that I ever knew. And I thought that those were kind of like the only cultures, like subconsciously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought those were the only cultures that are, right? And like living with a host family, especially, I think it really put me in that place and like really made me feel the culture. <laughs> host family, you mean just family that's already living there? Yeah. Like an Airbnb host? Family. No, no. So I actually was like in, like they opened their homes to me. So like they would make me breakfast, lunch, dinner. They were kind of like, like going to an auntie's okay. house. Yeah. So they were really taking care of you. But yeah, <laughs> it was really good. It was really good, but it was really hard. Like three months in a foreign country on, not on your own, but with like, a group of strangers that obviously you become friends with it's, it's really difficult but it's really good yeah awesome and then you said that was kind of made you want to come back and help out with stuff here back in the uk yeah i think it reframed so i was doing politics and international studies at uni um, and i was doing that for a reason it's not like i fell into it i am really interested in politics and especially like just why for for example i remember my personal statement way back when because i remember saying something about like i want to know why how 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 come my family in turkey like or being in turkey if i was raised and brought up in turkey mm -hmm. like how come my life would have been so different and i guess like the only answer that i could really see in that is like society and politics and then obviously everything that goes around that as well culture like structures political structures and inequality, economics, etc. But yeah, so when I came back to the UK, it made me, so going to Nigeria and coming back, it made me reframe or kind of remember why I was in this course. And I think I had to, I had to basically change my career path because <laughs> before it was money like I want money yeah. <laughs> but I was like why am I doing politics and international studies and then what getting money like <laughs> this random other career path like what is this <laughs> yeah you say that so when you'd like choose that as a degree what are kind of the go-to jobs you get from it yeah this is a weird one because so I have friends who finished politics and international studies and they're in teaching so for example Anu is yeah, in teaching yeah. they go into like press like public public affairs uh lobbying i have friends who are in investment banking but on the public affairs side so they like mediate between government and their their investment bank yeah think about all the policies that come out and then there's obviously government or like local local government or non-government organizations so like charities and third sector organizations yeah but yeah no cool also you know how you're from turkey i mean it's known that they have good hairline transplant surgeons could you recommend a few for our few friends that are listening to yeah, this um, we have a few that are uncles. Needed. shout out yeah I've shout some, out golden <laughs> i've got some uncles i'll, I'll just i'll just <laughs> call them up and let you know <laughs> We, we know we know we know some people that urgently need it. But yeah, cheers, appreciate that. Well, can you get Jeez. a third wheel collab? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my um. What's that? You know the affiliate link. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little promo code. Enter third wheel at checkout. <laughs> Ten percent off. Cool. Do, do you get to go go Turkey much? Uh, so I used to go basically for the three months of summer every year from the age of I think seven onwards, or yeah, something like that. Family still there. Yeah, family is still there. But to be honest, we don't really see our family. It's more that my parents wanted to immerse us in the culture. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so we used to travel quite a bit and then we finally kind of set, so we have like a, well, I call it a summer house, but to them, it's like their house, they have a second house in Bodrum, which is on like the West coast. I was going to say, did the political stuff that ever affect you going back and forth? Say, I don't think so. No, there was like that kind of like attempted coup a while ago. And that was a bit like, oh, should we go? Cause I think it was during summer, but no. Like we're really comfortable there, especially as like Western Turks, like they don't bother us. <laughs> Privilege. <laughs> <laughs> Is the t- Turkish community in like in the UK and Southeast London in particular, very, very big? So most of the Turks are in North, like Golders Green area. Okay. Like if you go to, yeah. I've forgotten what street it is, but there's one street in that Golders Green area. That is literally just restaurant after restaurant after barbershop after shop. <laughs> like, of j- just Turk, like Turks. All you can hear is Turkish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's wood green. That's it. Yes, yeah, wood green. Probably. Wood green. Yeah. There you go. I, I thought, yeah. I, knew it. I was remember Alhan and M. Hunter talking about it a while back. So. Oh, it's so sick. Yeah. You know what? Shout out. What's it? What's that place called? Antepliler. It's the best Turkish restaurant in London. I'm telling you now. Oh, okay. Where what's it called? How do you, you how do you spell it? Antep. So A N T E P L I L E R. They have the best baklava in London. Wow. I would I would argue it's the best baklava I've ever had, but <laughs> okay. I don't want to be like I don't know. I mean you're Turkish, so your opinion counts more than a lot of anyone else's here. <laughs> I just don't want to be hunted down by like Turkish aunties, like, no, my my baklava's better. Yeah, you also mentioned in our plan how uh you're christian turk and that's not very not very common yeah so basically yeah i in my second in my second year of uni no in my third year of uni i started this is gonna like be proper politics geek out right okay. but i'm gonna say it anyway <laughs> i started studying like political philosophy and especially justice theory and there was this one philosopher called Rawls. And his basic concept was that like to come up with a theory of justice, like a proper theory of justice, you would have to put yourself in this like thought experiment of being in the original position where you don't know your race, you don't know your religion, you don't know your gender. And then like you don't know a bunch of things that are morally arbitrary for you to know. And then you come up with a societal structure from that original position, if that makes sense. It's kind of like, okay, let me make plans not considering that I'm a woman or Turkish or British or whatever. Like, let me make societal plans trying to cover as many people, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so that bit is, is not so important. It's like the context of what happened to me next, which is I started thinking, and this is the first time I ever considered this, which is like, what one earth do I deserve from birth? <laughs> and like, I don't even deserve, you know, like my hardworkingness, like, cause we think like our hardworkingness or like how, how hard we can work, you know, no matter who I am, say I'm a woman or whatever, I can just work hard. But then that actual like attribute of you is not really something you deserve either. Well, it's debatable, but that's kind of what I considered. And then that got me thinking about my worldview. And then yeah, I think I had naturally just had friends who were Christian. I had friends who were Muslim as well when I was much younger. But when I was, when I was like 
having this existential crisis. I had a lot of friends who were Christian and the people I was living with were Christian. And so I was around a lot of those kind of environments. And I was having these conversations with them. I was having conversations with atheists. I was having conversations with all types of people. But the one that stuck with me was obviously Christianity. And in my third year of university, I was like, wow, I actually believe this stuff. And then, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so it's quite, quite recent. Yeah, yeah. So for four years ago? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what year we're in. I'm confused. And <laughs> um, what, <laughs> what like form of Christianity? Oh man, this gets complicated because obviously, so for me, it's like, there's the Catholic side, which is very much like they follow the Pope. Well, I mean, depends on what, which Catholic you talk to, but they follow the Pope and stuff like that. And so I'm definitely not Catholic. But then after that, like, I wouldn't say that I'm any kind of denomination. I think if you were to place me somewhere, it probably would be like evangelical maybe, but I don't really know. Like I'm very like, my views are very just yeah whatever the bible says does it <laughs> yeah yeah just refer to the bible guys <laughs> that's, that's me but yeah but yeah I, I didn't realize that it wasn't that it's not like a massively common thing yeah so most of the turkish well i say quote and uh, like turkish christians that you'll find are like orthodox christian and they tend to be like Armenian. I'm not, don't quote me on that. Yeah. I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm a Philistine when it comes to like this kind of stuff. Yeah. So they tend to be Christian from birth. So you were kind of like, you didn't know what you related to. Is that, am I kind of right in saying that? And you were kind of looking at speaking to atheists. You were living with a lot of Christians. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, so I went through like a bit of a process to be fair. I think, so I, I was obviously born a Muslim, Turkish household, etc., And then I kind of just, fell out of it naturally and I was like I don't believe in God this is okay. a whole load of malarkey and then after that I went to uni and then reconsidered it again but yeah what made you like reconsider it I think it was definitely that studying political philosophy and then going through like I'm not gonna lie like some of it was personal as well like going through some bereavements and things like that like it makes you think about like what is the meaning of life <laughs> all of that great stuff but yeah so so part of it is the philosophy side and also like that personal like what, what am I even doing what's my purpose what what am I doing here how am I supposed to relate to other people like what's right what's wrong what's yeah what is God who is God stuff like that has it affected your like day-to-day life as in does your day-to-day life look different from when you're Muslim to when you're Christian? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't want to talk into other people's kind of perspective, but what I kind of found being Muslim, and bear in mind, I was quite young. So it was, I was probably Muslim from the age of zero to, <laughs> to like maybe 13, 14. And then I kind of fell off. Um, and I just, I think it was a thing of, you know, I used to ask questions, especially to my parents and especially to like when we did go to the mosque, um, I would ask questions and I just didn't get adequate um, answers. Um, and it was the same with like my Muslim friends. And it, maybe it's because, you know, the types of people that I was around weren't amazingly great and like they would just get offended. But <laughs> I don't know. I think I did a bit of digging and I just, I, w- I was just a, like, you know, this is not what I believe. I don't think this is okay. Mm-hmm. 
and then and then like now so so before i don't think my faith really so like islam really shaped any of my day like i'd pray once in a while and that's it and then i'll go to mosque once in a while and that's it and so you can kind of say that i wasn't like really into it but then as a christian and for the last four years like like i would say that i'm actively practicing and i'm quite devout like i will on a perfect day on an ideal day i'll wake up and (laughs) and read the bible and i'll pray and i'll do like i have a bunch of audiobooks so i'll go on a walk and it's kind of like called a prayer walk so i'll listen to this audiobook and i'll pray like like four things that i just see in nature or like when i'm walking down the street like say if someone's having an argument i'll like pray for them and stuff like that and just have a conversation with God and then also like yeah I go to church every Sunday my church is amazing <laughs> they're really great <laughs> that's like shout, me, like, shout, shout, out, shout out. out to the church yeah, yeah shout out um ECB church you're great if you do listen to this I love y'all <laughs> but yeah and then also I have like a lot of friends who are Christian as well so Joshua Obia Cherry yeah I always forget how to say his name but him so I went to Gospel Society in UCL right. and he was the president. Oh, big man, <laughs> big man. UCR, what? Big man. UCL. UCL. Um, oh, UCL. University oh, College of London. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, so did you go UCL for a bit? Or you, did you just... Oh gosh, I haven't even said this, have I? Or did you just get involved with that like society or what? That would be so weird if I got involved in UCL Gospel Society like, without being a student there. Can you do that? Is yeah, that you like can. you can do it as external students? Oh, can you? Because you could even do that in sports societies. Like at Warwick, I remember distinctly, like so football. Like there would be like two or three people who played for like Team GB, but there would be well, maybe maybe not all, maybe all three of them didn't. But like I remember them, they would be there. They would have the separate membership. You could get the external membership, and you could just turn up. And I just remember it, it was a ropes day if any of them turned up because you get smoked, obviously. You know, we're, we're rookies. But yeah, wait, so okay, you went UCL then, I guess. Yeah. So and you I, switched to Warwick. I, no, so I should have said this at the beginning, but I went to Warwick for my undergraduate and then I went to UCL for my masters, but I often forget. <laughs> I don't know why. Isn't that like a year long yeah. thing? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and it was really like I think to be honest, I preferred my in terms of studies, I preferred my masters to, to Warwick. Just because it was like focused. <laughs> I, stop throwing shade, okay? <laughs> stop dragging me. Yeah, I did human rights, by the way. I don't oh. think I said that. <laughs> no, no. Don't worry, we've been forgetting a lot of shit today as well. Wow. <laughs> we've been in a shamble. I, I forgot to do, how to do the intro. Like, <laughs> this whole episode rolls. And yeah, an- another big thing you mentioned right at the beginning in your intro. I don't know if any of this, like, your Christianity comes into it or anything, but the poetry and spoken word stuff, do they, like, link in together at all? Or is that something you've been doing, like, much prior? So. This is wild. I started doing poetry like at a very young age, like writing poetry. I was like that kind of kid. I'd <laughs> just be writing really dumb poems about, like I remember the first poem I wrote was after a biology lesson where I learned about like eating, like the biological process of eating. And I was like, this is wild. This is so interesting. I'm going to write a poem about this. <laughs> I wrote a poem about eating. <laughs> like I even included the word mas- mastication 
like chewing. Didn't even know that was a word. I'm a big man. <laughs> I'm I'm great. Look at me. But yeah, obviously, like later on, my my peers would make fun of me because mastication sounds a bit like something else. Yeah, that, that is true. It's at that age, <laughs> how long were these poems that you're writing then? At that age, eight bars. <laughs> eight bars. At that age, they were kind of like maybe four stanzas with like four lines. So like four four paragraphs, four lines per paragraph. What is a poem? Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of poems were you writing? I guess. So I was just like writing free verse, but I was writing ones that were couplet rhymes. So A A B B C C D D, etc. So like really simple stuff. And then even now, like when I write poetry, to be honest, I think what I want to kind of get into in this next year is to get into the actual like nitty gritty of poetry because I love reading poems and I like writing poems, but I don't actually like I didn't do English. Um, I stopped doing English at GCSE because <laughs> yeah, did that. But I love poetry. Like I've always loved poetry. So I think. Yeah, I'm definitely. That's something has that's in the back of my mind to like actually learn about my craft. <laughs> <laughs> How long can a like a poem be? Oh, long. Like I, I consider. I think when I think of a poem, I think of like a like a short thing. Like you read it in like yeah a minute or less. So so there's there's some poems that are like a couple pages long, and they'll follow like a topic through metaphors and. Things like that, and then, for example, spoken word, especially. Sometimes I've gone to like open mics, and someone's gotten up that has not been like vetted beforehand, and they'll just have a poem that's ten minutes long, and you're there like, "What on earth is going on?" <laughs> ten minutes, <laughs> ten long. minutes long. So, what's the difference between poetry and spoken word? So, spoken word is basically kind of like the performance of poetry, and like. The definition of spoken word is a bit fast and loose. Like it doesn't really have to have a rhyming structure. It doesn't really have to, like, have really regimented ways of doing it. But mostly, it's it's about the performance. So, like, the difference between, for example, just reciting a poem to spoken word is the performance element to it. So, when you're reciting, you're just reading. Whereas spoken word is it's like a performance piece, and then. Obviously, poems are kind of like written on paper, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, and you said you've performed at open mics and stuff like that. How, yeah. like, are you are you fine with like performing in public and stuff like that? So I started performing at university. That's probably why Hamish seems to think he knows me. I feel like most people know me. Wait, Hamish is that type of guy to go watch poetry. To be honest. No. I was gonna say I was gonna ask you is this like Twenty One Jump Street or something like how they did it in Twenty One Jump Street? But uh, <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. Also, awesome. do the poems like do you follow a theme in any of your poems? Like, do all your poems follow like a certain topic, or are they just one could be about one thing, another one would be about something totally different? Yeah, so they're like all sorts. And if you look, so I've got an Instagram page of like my poetry, but if you look at the written stuff, I literally do like different topics all the time just to like add a bit of variety to whoever's reading. But at university, it was mostly about social, social f- topics. So for example, Black Lives Matter, mental health, like environmental issues. And then when I came out of university, I wanted to write much more broadly, but I still write that kind of social, political poetry. 
but mostly I write about like mundane, silly things. Like one of the funniest poems I wrote was about, so my flatmate has a cat and the cat recently got neutered. And I wrote a poem from the cat's perspective, <laughs> like accusing like my flatmate, who I called Linda, but she's not, not something Linda. else. But, <laughs> but yes, it was like the cat accusing Linda of being a horrible person and like, give me back my balls, <laughs> Linda. <laughs> but Do you yeah. know it? Like, can you say it off by heart? I have it. It's quite long. How long is it? Like five, four or five minutes. Mm, that might be. Can you? Is it like a snippet? Like a snippet of it? Like a funny yeah, bit? Yeah, I could. It? Yeah, yeah. But do you publish <laughs> really this to could. a site? So I'm actually on. So this poem is on YouTube, but it's on the Pen Click. So P E N C L I Q U A Q U E. Sorry. Yeah, Pen Click. Shout out them by the way. They're American, and I I love them very much. Very. What great. is that? Pen Click. They're just like they're kind of like a like a poetry platform it's like i think it's only two of them and they kind of review poetry and um they have like mini mini clash poetry so like mini slams okay but yeah i'm trying to find linda okay so this one's called what have you done with my balls subtitle linda you are an ugly slut okay. <laughs> <laughs> linda look i'm sick of you I mark your bed and you think it's okay to punish me this way. I thought you wanted to have fun. I thought you wanted me to spray. You really could have told me before you took me to the vet. Now look at me. I look like a bloody idiot. I can't even take a proper step. Linda, I only have one question for you left. What have you done with my balls? Linda, sometimes I think you're taunting me. The way you stomp around, leg hairs looking like spiders dancing hauntingly. I know you can't handle my virile feline masculinity just because you're always alone. Only having me for smoochy smoochy doesn't mean that I don't want to bone. Now, I will never get any feline female coochie. Do you know what it does to a man like me? You have stunted me at my very prime. To see my body and my moves, the girls would have lined. I know you are just jealous that your wretched face Never brings home the fellas. Linda, you ugly slut. What have you done with my balls? I, I, I know pe- people can't, people won't be able to see the video, but actually, I, I felt like a performance. I felt like, yeah, yeah, like a live performance there. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were just going to read it, but that was like, oh, I felt, I felt like the passion. Yeah. Uh, so I basically what I did was took the first stanza and then put the okay. last stanza, but I can do the other bits oh, okay. as well. Do you want me to? It'll be the first time we have it on the episode, Aaron. If you, if you're down for it. Yeah, unless you want the views to go to YouTube. Yeah, we'll just tell people. We'll tell people to go. Where is it? It's on YouTube. Um, so Yeah, the whole thing. Basically. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing on YouTube. Link in the show Thank notes. So wait, on YouTube then. So is that a video of you performing it? Yeah, so that was an open mic that Penclete did. And they're obviously in America. So I stayed up until 3am just to perform that silly poem to them. And yeah, they just lost their minds because at first they didn't realize it was about a cat. And so Uh, you can see in the video, they're saying when you have slut in the title, like, you know, that it might be a bit problematic, but then they realize it's about like, it's a cat talking to it like a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that, that shakes. So how long did that take to write? 
So sometimes I get like bursts of, I wouldn't say like there'll be one idea and it'll just be like, it'll just take me. And then I'll, I'll sit down for like maybe like a few hours, like an hour or two, or maybe even longer than that, just writing it and then perfecting it, like going back and editing it and making sure that it sounds okay. And then obviously you have to, even though I don't know this piece, like off by heart, off by heart, you have to go through it and you have to think, how am I going to perform this? How is it going to seem like nice? How are people going to respond to this? Do I, do I get quiet here? Do I get loud here, etc. And so that takes a couple of hours too. <laughs> um, and then if you want to, if you want to perform it kind of at an in-person show, like it's much better to know it off by heart. Mm-hmm. And then that takes a couple more hours. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Obviously, these are not done in like, I don't sit down for like a day and <laughs> go through that whole process. Yeah. But this is just purely a hobby, right? You don't actually like sell them to the places. Yeah. So there's actually one thing that I've done recently that does have monetary like thing attached to it. And I did some spoken word for an artist, an up and coming artist, Nyota. So that's N-Y-O-T-A-A. And I just reached out to her on Instagram one day. She was asking for a spoken word artist. And yeah, I reached out to her and she was like, yeah, I'm down for it. Send me something for this beat. I sent her something. She was really excited. And yeah, we just worked together and it was amazing. And I'm on her, I'm on her like debut, like EP album. Wicked. But yeah, so it's called Woman. And I think it's either the first or the second. Oh, it's bad that I don't know that (laughs) by heart. Wow. I think it's the intro. Yeah, it's the it's the um intro to her her album Twenty One and Lost. That's wicked. Yeah, we'll put that in the in the description as well. Spoken word. Does spoken word come under music? It's a weird one because I know like a few spoken words artists who are like proper flow poets, and so their poetry has like a very musical flow to it, and they they kind of dance between like spoken word and rap. Um, like that co- more conscious kind of rap style. So if you think about like Floetry or kind of like the Lupe Fiasco type, like rapping style. So that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of doing music with it? So I have plans to, but I, I'm not a rapper. I'm, I'm not a driller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a rapper. It might be something that I might like get into later, but it's not something that interests me now. Um, I love like rap, like listening to rap and stuff like that, but it's not something that like, I just like the poetic side of stuff and like the performance side of stuff. But I do have plans to add my, like my poetry to music and that poem, that intro, like spoken word intro to Nyota's album, it's with music. Yeah. But you can tell that I'm not, it's not really going with the flow. It's more like spoken word and it's nicely overlaid on music but yeah I've, i am actually working with delarms so d-l-a-r-m-s um he, so he's a producer music producer and i'm working with him and so i've got a few ideas that i want to kind of send his way and he sent me a few beats that we might be releasing like as music spoken word stuff but no that's that's, that's awesome. like very early stages at the moment <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's cool can it ever like be more than a hobby do you think? Do, would you ever want to like pursue it more? I definitely think like I would want to do like bigger performances. 
because I love performing. Like, so when I was much younger, I actually went to a musical theater classes. It was called Stagecoach and it was in Blackheath, like that Blackheath area. And the reason why I like spoken word so much, why it takes to me so much is because it's taking that poetry thing that I enjoy doing anyway, and it adds it to performance, which I really enjoy like innately. And so like, I would love to do like bigger performances, things with other people, working with other people and other creatives, like that really excites me. But I think it's about like putting in invested time, like that kind of stuff. I have a few friends in this like spoken word area and they do big performances where it's like peck out like maybe a thousand people, two thousand people. And they've been commissioned to do this spoken word for a particular event, like, I don't know, like a charity event or whatever it is. But yeah, it takes a lot of time and dedication and with a full-time job sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a bit tough. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you've established yourself as a lyrical person. So you decided to include a game with some lyrics. This is Rap or Crap Installation 3. The basic concept of the game is I'm going to say a few bars. It could be one or many. They're either rap or crap. And by rap, it means that's actually by an actual musician. Crap, it's written by me. And there's a chance for bonus points if you want to also try guest star artist and the song name. But yeah, we'll start with the first one. Retaliation is a must. Ain't no maybe, ifs or buts. So Oz, what did you write? I wrote rap. I went for crap. The answer is rap. So would you like a chance to get some bonus points here and try and guess the artist and song name? Why do I feel like it's... I'm going to say this is so bad. I'm going to be so bad at this because I'm so crap at remembering. Yeah, don't worry. But... No, no one's going to start beefy on there. Is it Skepta? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not going to guess anyone. <laughs> okay, no, don't worry, don't worry. Okay. So... Uh, who was it though? Um, that, that one was by One Four, and it's from The Message. So that's an Australian <gasps> drill group. But I reason I kept that was because in the previous one, I put a Dutch Valley lyric in there a while back before <laughs> you got cancelled. The next one is... Now I'm on a track with Hedy and got every party listening. Everyone wants to be lippy. They're just actors mingling. I struggle to say the last word there. But... I, I went for rap. Yeah, I went for rap as well. Any guesses as to who you thought it was? So are we, are we correct? Just any guesses as to who you thought it was? So they said they're friends with Hedy. Yeah. Interesting. Who's friends with Hedy? Hedy one. <laughs> Wait, on a track with Hedy or... <laughs> yeah. It says now I'm on a track with Hedy. Or it could be they're on the same track with Hedy. <sighs> that could have been an easy artist point there. Uh, our frick is Hedy 2. Okay, and Oz? <laughs> Hedy 2. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Wait, I said Dave. I'm glad I'm being compared to Dave. <sighs> so it's crap. Oh, those, those are... yeah, <laughs> was it was it crap? crap? <laughs> Dickhead. Dickhead. I just, I just wanted a bit of an ego boost, didn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought... You know why I thought Dave? Because I feel like I don't even know if he's been on a has he been on a track yeah. with Eddie? Eighteen hundred. Oh yeah, that's why I thought it might be. But obviously I'm rubbish. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the flow I wrote that to. But yeah. Hey, come on. Cool. <laughs> the next one is My Man Full, he just ate. I don't duck nobody but tape. Yeah, that was a setup for a punchline on duct tape. This might be my personal belief in the lyric rather than the actual reality of it, but I said crap. I said crap. Like, who's talking about tape, duct tape, man? <laughs> you could go ask that to Nicki Minaj on the oh, song with Drake. No. <laughs> the song was called Only. No way. 
Well, currently, Nicki Minaj has been called a fake rapper. I have been called a rapper. Oh, Nicki, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if you listen to this, I'm so sorry, Nicki. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, next one is Fed's trying to get me. They're claiming that they saw me light up the room with my Mac. Still trying to make it. So I'm on the grind. So show up, you pig, and go back to eating your Big Mac. If you see the flash from mine, I promise that will be the last time. And Oz, what did you go for? I went for crap. Aaron, what did I you went go for, for rap. Aaron, do you want to try to go for some bonus wins? So they mentioned a Mac, which is why I didn't think it would be you. And they also mentioned a Big Mac, which I thought it might not have been you. And also it's longer than like five seconds. So, What kind of Mac do you think they're referring to, Aaron? That will light up the room. I thought they were talking about like a MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the pun. I won't lie. That's the pun, Aaron. Because like, the Mac can light like up Apple, the room with the its Apple light. The lights up, bro. Um, Oz actually knew it was crap. So well done, Oz. That was a point for you. So what's a Mac then? <laughs> other than the raincoat as well? Well, no. What? So it's like a reference to saying you're opening up your Mac. And you know when it lights up here, yeah, like the light on the back. So it is talking about a MacBook. Yeah, but like that's also like it's a play on words saying that your Mac can light up the room. Yeah, I know that. I thought... I thought you were saying Mac meant something like a gun or something. Yeah, yeah, as in it's a play on both. So a Mac means a gun? Okay, okay. Both, yeah. There's there's both, yeah. That's what I was asking you. What does Mac mean? (laughs) It's lyrics. I'm not going to give you the definition bloody midway through the game. Mate, we've gone past this question now. We're on the next question. You can tell me what Mac means. (laughs) Well done, Oz, for that one. The next one is, one taught me love, one taught me patience, one taught me pain. Now I'm so amazing. Say I've loved and I lost. Rap. I went rap. I went rap as well. Oh, I don't know where this is from. Could you try both guess the song name and artist? I feel like this is one of Hamish's guilty pleasures, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sweet. Do you want to go for what you went for, Aaron? I went for Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. (laughs) And Oz? What? (laughs) This is so embarrassing. Cadet. I read your answer, but the answer actually was Ariana Grande. Thank you. <laughs> the fact that he said it so confidently, and Grande. he said like <laughs> he said the artist and the name. I was like, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, I thought I, I had to throw like you know something in there to mess up. Okay, next one. Then man are playing question time, talking about who's next in line, who's the best in grime. All we want to know is who is going to stand the test of time. Oh, I've gone rap. And Oz? Yeah, I went rap as well. Oz, if you could also guess an artist and song. Oh, this gives me so much stress. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm glad I don't have to try and sing or like rap any of the things from a wax lyric or that one. <laughs> Which artist did you guess? AJ Tracy. And Aaron? I went Question Time by Dave. Let's see. Oh, both of you are wrong. It's actually Gets and Ske- <laughs> it's actually Gets and Skepta. I see three. No, I love that song as yeah. well. <laughs> I said AJ Tracy because he said goat, but I was like, oh, he's trying oh, to be shit. sly. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was saying like general, like there's many goats. Yeah, yeah. it's one of the many goats that claimed that. All right, so we have the final scores now, and the scores are four three. Oh, Oz, you are the wow. winner by one point. <laughs> Come on, the OG of <laughs> Southeast London. <laughs> the OZ. <laughs> the OZ. Do I get a do I get a prize? Yeah, shower Oz. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> No, I want I want a physical prize, guys. Come on. 
Remember when you signed that contract? Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Do you think uh, Hamish Hamish has a future in the poetry business? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Come on. I mean, your flow what? can use a bit more. I wasn't. Oh, I wasn't. No, no, wait. I, I obviously wasn't going to say it in the flow because if I was saying stuff in the flow, it was going to be easy to guess. So yeah, that's the excuse. But we all know the truth. I guess after the war zone of lyrics that just happened there between me and some rappers, and now I'm obviously goated in the scene, being claimed as a rapper. So. Oh, it says here you play Call of Duty Warzone, which we also stream on Twitch and third YouTube channel, Third Wheel Games. But yeah, <laughs> back to you. Yeah, I do play Warzone and it's very good. As in Resurgence or Warzone Warzone? What was Resur- Resurgence is the small map, isn't it? Yeah. Man, Resurgence is much better. So we yes. started playing, so me and my friends started playing Resurgence, like maybe like a couple of months ago and we we're like, what is this? This is such a small map. But then we played that like kind of nonstop for about two months. And then we went back to like BR and it was terrible. It's not <laughs> the one. It was bad. Yeah. Resurgence. I did that on stream because <laughs> I've been playing it basically. I've been on leave. So the last two weeks I've just been playing Resurgence. <laughs> and then we went back to Warzone and oh my God, I was so bored. And then I got smacked and I was like, you know what? We'll stick to Resurgence where I can at least deliver the smacking. But yeah, like how'd you get into it? So I got a PS4 in my final year of uni and it's the first like proper console I've ever had before that I think the only thing I had was like a PSP oh yeah, yeah PSP gone <laughs> like, little like Game Boy thing yeah and then um, I just love games so I used to play like online games you know those like mini clip games and like I don't know armor games this is way back when when Flash was a thing and now Flash is not a thing <laughs> do you ever have anything in school like on the computers you had to like find the websites where they actually was not blocked the game website's really Y8.com? Yeah, Y8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad. <laughs> uh, I remember everyone used to play that game. What was it called? Like N, where you're like a ninja, like a tiny ninja, and you had to like jump around. It, like, I can picture it. I've got the picture, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the name or anything. But yeah, that doesn't really answer the <laughs> question. <laughs> but <laughs> basically, um, I have a group of friends who play Warzone when it first came, like when it first kind of came out. And they were like, yeah, jump on, jump on. And I was like, I like, I used to just play adventure games. So stuff like The Witcher or like Metal Gear Solid. So like proper story based games. And I've never played like an arcade, like online game where you, you can have like several games in one session kind of thing. And then I jumped on for the first time and I was trash. I think I even played, what's it called? You know, the one where like, you're kind of confined to a small space. Oh, shit, and there's a Like multiplayer or gunfight? Do you mean like a gunfight? That 2v2? It was like 100v100, basically, or 50v50. That oh, kind of one. Oh, the mini royal, maybe. Or maybe, maybe Fortnite a... or something. No, no, no. It was like an actual thing. I forgot what it's called. Do you mean Ground War or something like the 20v20 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I've forgotten. But yeah, I... I... <laughs> I played that and I was just getting killed like every two seconds. Like I was getting killed before I landed. Wait, this is all in Call of Duty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I was getting killed before I was like landing. People were sniping me out the air. It was really bad. And then I got really angry and competitive and I kept playing. (laughs) But yeah, now I'm, I think I'm okay now. Like I'm not great, but I'm not bad either. But yeah, I can get like a few kills in one game, (laughs) which is good. But yeah, no, it's, it's actually they released the duos version recently. So right now, at the time of recording, there's duos and quads, so it's either four people play together or or quads. 
But yours one, yeah, the lobby disintegrates like so quick. Like every time I've landed, like I haven't won it yet. I've come cl- as close to second year onto yours here, but the lobby just disappears. Like because everyone's so used to playing in threes and fours that they're yeah. used to, you know, having the respawn. So in Resurgence in Warzone, just so people know, if you die, you can actually respawn for a short amount of time until the zone is very small. It's like a battle royale game. If you don't know what that is, just Google it. Like I'm not explain it. Explain what battle royale game is. It's basically there's a zone that closes in on you. There's like toxic gas that closes in, so it, it reduces the playing area on the map over and over again until like you're literally up front with the person. The map is quite big, so the Resurgence map is like maybe like one tenth of the actual Warzone map, but it's a separate map. And essentially, every game is going to have a different zone. Kind of everyone jumps out the plane. You loot up, find weapons, try to buy like you know kill streaks and stuff like like airstrikes, UAVs, and then. Yeah, you want to get your, ideally you want to get one of your guns that you configured to do bits for you. And then you want to go smoke some Donnies or smoke some ops on their block, um, as we say. Because, you know, on Resurgence, bioweapons is basically our first home. And Nova 6 Factory is our second home. So if anyone oh, comes really? through with smoke, that's where we'll what, be. What are those things you just said? They're just, they're buildings on the map. Zones, yeah. Yeah. Mine is prison block, you know. Prison block and, what's it, the barracks. The, bar- oh, the barracks, yeah, I'm not a big fan of. Oh, it's messy, isn't it? Yeah, of the prison. <laughs> I love I love doing prison takes here because if you have a helier, you can take back that prison roof so easily. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, prisons are always a long fight. If you want, you can watch it on Twitch streams how we take pr- prison. We have we have three ways to take prison, and we usually oh, succeed. You got strategies? Wow. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely gonna watch this. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, what happens here is these prison donnies yeah, they don't move and they just literally snap the shell of everyone yeah, and yeah. unfortunately the zone usually ends up. You know, meaning you have to go off prison anyways. So we're going upstairs one way or the other. It's just a matter of how we get there, whether it's a helicopter left over or if we're zip planning up or if we're going up a staircase and hard forcing the roof. But yeah. Oh, I'm going to get too lost in Warzone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You should watch it. Tomorrow, we'll be streaming Sunday evening. When this episode releases, there will be a stream as well. So, but yeah, if you also do want to play with us as well at any point, just let me know and then sort out the cross play. Cause I play PC. So I'm not sure if you want to play with PC oh, Donnie's. Okay. But yeah, we usually have a lot more fun on Resurgence than we do on Warzone, as you said. Yeah, so, and I think anyone with a PlayStation can play it. PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. If you have a PC that can run it, do it. Xbox can as well, but I don't know any Xbox players. So, but yeah. Have you won any games, by the way? Yeah, a couple. Oh, a couple, okay. Yeah, I think I've won like maybe one or two BR. I'm so crap at BR. No, no, forget like... BR, but excluding the stats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but to... yeah, re- <laughs> Resurgence, I'm, I'm all right. I can hold my own. I I got banned. Me, me and my sisters were weren't allowed to play shooting games <laughs> when we were younger. So I was never a part of like the Call of Duty thing growing up. But in hindsight, I do think that helped me become semi professional at FIFA because I couldn't I couldn't play <laughs> Call of Duty. So FIFA was what I was stuck with. So And the thing is you compare your statistics with people. So like I could compare my stats to Oz and if she has more wins than me, then I'm I'm bashing out like a few games like every night to like <laughs> overtake that win record. But you know, mine is um. Do you know what I look for? I look for the KD yeah, yeah. ratio. I'm pretty sure mine's will be better than yours. Don't worry. To be fair, mine is just like I think it's like one point two or something like that. Well, that's fair. I think mine's is just higher than that. Just, but yeah. Yeah, I, I have a friend who has like a KD of three. Hmm. Yeah, I need to. I need to play the game that much to get it to three. I will be playing. Well, I only have one more week of annual leave, so. <laughs> you got one more week to get it to free come on I don't think that's possible but you know like <laughs> I'll try 
Come on, you have to have a winning mentality. No, no, it I do. Possible. My my objective is if you check my multiplayer stats, I'm one of the top dogs amongst any one of the people that would wow. have been on third wheel. I'm taking that Come spot. On. Fuck everyone. Big up yourself. Like a multiplayer, you can be carried though, right? Bro, trust me. If you if you see my games, I have them recorded. I'm not the one being carried. <laughs> In multiplayer, <laughs> so I refuse somebody to lose being carried. Our random teammates because you don't always have a full team. Black Ops, um, sadly, not many people came over from Call of Duty Modern Warfare, so it was basically just me and my boy Jibs, and it was always it always feels like a two v six, and we don't play it anymore because every game you play, you have to sweat, and that that is like that's exhausting mentally to play, play every single game to maintain a two or three KDA. And as well as the win-loss ratio. So just play Resurgence where it doesn't matter. It's not necessarily a win-loss ratio. But yeah, okay, I've been blabbing too much. There's more important topics that we could be discussing. So we'll transition to a topic. I don't know how to transition into this. So the last and final topic is basically living in Clapham and the discussion on Sarah Everard's death. We, we did speak about this like a few, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah like really regular exciting. listeners. Um, but you actually live like close to where this all happened how has it been the last like well when this comes out like the last like a month ago like when it was when it did like break out in the news and everything yeah it was it was really wild like i cannot imagine how it's been for her family and like for her loved ones because obviously it's become politicized mm. and in some ways that's really terrible because personally speaking like if you're mourning for that person and like it's a political death now. Like, how do you even mourn about it properly? You're seeing her face and her name everywhere, and people are talking about it casually, like not in a bad way, but even like, for example, talking about the subject of sexual harassment and all of that stuff. Like, it must be really hard. And to a certain extent, her family must want like privacy, you know, even though it might be causing good conversations to be had. And like, obviously, the Home Secretary launched that survey because of this. So the survey on um, sexual harassment and sexual abuse, just asking for views and evidence from like women. But yeah, so I cannot imagine like that side of it. But being in Clapham Junction, like being in those areas, I think so many of us, like women and men obviously in the area have been affected in some way because of the publicization of her death. It's it's wild because like I told you guys before we started recording, I got I was stalked back in January. Um and I actually have a poem about it. I wrote a poem and I performed it at at an open mic. And it basically said like like it's called Stay Away From Me. And I think that event, like her death, really showcase to women in general like in the UK how normalized like this low level stuff is and even though you know Dame Krista Dick is definitely right like this kind of stuff like these events these incidents they're devastating uh, heartbreaking and they shouldn't happen but they're so rare like someone getting abducted from the street and unfortunately like murdered like they're very rare but that low level like just harassment and making women feel very unsafe is not rare. In fact, it happens quite often and quite a lot. Not every day. Like It's not like I'm going out on the street and getting mobbed by a bunch of men. But at the same time, when I first moved to this area, because I don't know the area, like I come from Southeast London, obviously, 
I remember walking like before I even got stalked and before Sarah, the Sarah Everard story broke. I remember walking on the street when it was dark and this was like winter when I moved in. And I was thinking like, I feel unsafe, but I don't know why I feel unsafe. Like, why am I walking and I'm like clutching my like keys or clutching something that I can like use as a weapon? Like, why am I doing that? That's so weird. And then like later on, when I got stalked in January, then it clicked in my head. I was like, this is why, this is why I do stuff like that. This is why I feel unsafe on the streets, even though it's 5 p.m. or whatever, and it's dark outside. And I just want to go for a walk because what else is there to do in a global like pandemic? And I think like the only the thing that women really just want to feel is to be safe, to just leave the house and not be harassed. Is it too sensitive to say like how they stalk or like is that? No, I'm, I'm happy to. So I went out for a walk and I'm pretty sure it was like 5 p.m. and it was dark like winter time, right? And I just finished work. So it probably was like five or six. And I went down a route that I wasn't too familiar with. It was like the more like quiet area of this area. <laughs> and like, I, I noticed a guy just outside his house. He was just chilling outside his house. And then I just walked past him. Like what, like who, who like how would I have known that he was going to sort me? I just walked past him. But I remember thinking like, what is he doing just outside his house? Like, he must be like smoking or something. And then like I was on the phone to two of my friends and like I'm a little bit like, I'm a little bit like paranoid anyway, like growing up in Southeast London, sometimes you have to be a bit like paranoid, not because I've, it's, it's just the nature of the area. And my parents are obviously like ethnic and they always <laughs> told me like, be careful when you go outside, there's yeah. prowlers on every corner of the street. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm already like a little bit paranoid. So sometimes what I do when I'm walking is I'll look to the side as if like I'm going to cross the street just to see if there's anyone behind me. And um, yeah, the guy was there. And I was like, okay, is this guy stalking me? Like I saw him out like outside his house like five, 10 minutes ago. And now he's behind me. Like what's going on? And I think he must have noticed that I noticed him. So he passed me, but just as soon as he passed me and he made a bit of like distance between us, he like stopped to check his phone. Like he'll stop and look at his phone. And I was like, this is so strange. Why is he doing that? That's like a weird behavior. Like I've never seen someone to like to stop walking and check their phone. Maybe he's got motion sickness, whatever. And he did this like another three, four times where like he would stop. And it was making me like agitated. Like sometimes when that kind of stuff happens, I'm just like angry because I'm like, do you not understand that? Like at the time I thought I was being unreasonable, but I was still angry. Like, do you not understand that women feel unsafe, especially in the like nighttime? And you've been following me on this road for a yeah. long time and you're stopping and you're looking at it. Like, can you not just be more considerate of my space? Wait, did you, did you say, wait, did you confront him or? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. This was like all in my head. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cause I had like no, I didn't really had evidence that he was stalking me. I just thought like, this is weird. Like, why is he going on the same journey as me? And this happened for like, so I said four times he did this, like three, four times he did this, but it happened over the course of like 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Like he was behind me the whole time, but I was talking to my friends. So I wasn't even like really thinking that much, but yeah, every time it was happening, I was getting more and more like, what is wrong with this guy? 
And then I was like, okay, I'm very sure he's stalking me. This is really weird. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into a shop, like a really well lit shop, and I'm just going to lose him in there. So like, if he's really stalking me, he'll go into the shop. And if he's not stalking me, then like he'll walk on and I won't have to see him ever again. But what happened was he passed me and he stood right in front of the shop door. And I was like, no, 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 no. This guy is going to try and touch me. He's going to try and do something to me. I don't know what's going to happen. And I can't even go into the shop now and tell like the shop security guard or whatever. So I'm just going to walk on the furthest side of the street and I'm just going to walk really quickly and act like I don't see him at all. I'm not going to make eye contact. I'm just going to walk like dead straight. And as I was walking past, I saw him like lunge towards me and like wave his hand. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're like, I'm in danger. And like, but my heart like sank and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this guy is definitely stalking me and he wants to touch me or whatever. And I'm pretty sure the only reason he stopped stalking me or like stopped following me was because it was raining really heavily that night. And when I say night, it was evening, but it was raining really heavily and he had left his house without a raincoat. He was wearing a jumper. And so he was soaked. And I think that was his like last ploy to like get my attention or try to like touch me or whatever. And I just walked on like I was like proper shaken. I just walked on and I completely ignored it. But when I got to the end of the road, I tried to cross the road. And when I was crossing the road, I wanted to make sure that he's where he was like at the shop entrance. And I looked to the side to like check the road, quote unquote. And he was staring like dead straight at me. And I was like, this, yeah, this is confirms everything. I can't go home straight from here. So like, if I went left, I would have gone home. But if I went right, it would be like a longer way home. So I went right. And I just took like, I, I walked for like another hour because I was like, I can't, I can't go home. This guy's weird. And I don't know what's wrong with him. And if I go home, he's going to know where I live. And so like, I took like a very long road home and I was on the phone to my friends and I told them what's going on. And one of my friends was like, yeah, like I'm in Peckham, like, let me know if you need help, I'll come like with my car and like, like whatever. And I was like, it's okay for now. I don't think he's stalking me anymore, but like, yeah, terrible. And then I got home like an hour later. Did you report or anything afterwards? No. And this is why I kind of wanted to talk, but it's really important to report it every time it happens. And then, so, okay, this bit you can obviously keep in, which is... I didn't report it because I, I thought like it's a near miss. Like what are the police going to care about this? But after the Sarah Everard story happened, we had a talk, like a corporate like chat about like the, the story and about sexual harassment. Like our senior civil servants did like a bit of like open space. And one of the, my higher ups, something they said will forever stick with me, which it seems so simple, but. I just never considered it, which is no matter what, like the police have limited capacity anyway, but no matter what, report it and they will decide what to do. You know what I mean? So like if it, if it just means that they know about it and they'll record it in their for like for statistics, that's a plus. If it means that they're going to send like more patrols in that area, that's even better. And if it means that they're going to find the guy and just talk to him and like rattle him a little bit, then that, that's even, even better because normally with the cases with the case with these guys is that they'll do something small 
and then they'll build up and build up and build up. It's normally not like like zero to like hundred. They take their time and they try to see what they can get away with. And that was like revolutionary to me. That idea that you should report it no matter what, like always report it. But yeah. When I first started work, I remember like two other female like colleagues were having issues like walking home or so. And they weren't from London. They had just moved to London or so. So what I had told them was what you could do if feasible, if you have any like cars parked by or nearby, you can, instead of having to turn around or try to like do the, if you can't do, if you have the option for the, to see through a car mirror, um, if you see them behind you, then that will start giving you indications. But if you don't have that, then obviously do the head crossing thing. And the only reason I'd say maybe if other people did want to follow it is because obviously by tomorrow, sadly, this situation is probably not going to stop. And obviously we would want it to stop. But in the meantime, I guess knowing other ways to detect some of these signs may just help you. And the only reason I know that is because safety, once again, has always been an issue since early in our area before I stopped giving a shit. And I was just like, if someone's going to try something, try it. But that's obviously a different mentality because I'm also, in society's eyes, I'm not as deemed as vulnerable as a woman, essentially, um, which is a big difference as well. So I do recommend trying that card thing. If you ha- If you have the option to look through any car mirror whilst walking by, do that. And sometimes you may be able to find other objects like, you know, when you walk by like glass buildings or you may be able to use them to just see, get a glimpse of it and get an idea. And if you feel like it, I would say, I'd, I always say switch route or something or get into a public area as fast as possible because the story is like, it shows that some men aren't or some boys as well aren't just educated at all when they're growing up or so. So they have no common sense clearly. I don't know if this is even like, I don't know what you can do. Like, but have you thought about like reporting even now? Like, is that the only reason I wouldn't report it now is because I don't think it's actionable information anymore. When the Sarah Everard story broke, I think I was like made fully aware of like my normalization of like female safety and not wanting to get harassed and all the stuff that I do naturally like that has been normalized into my like actual character. And I was like, no, like. Like, it, I think it made mm. me angry more than scared. Like, it made me really angry. I just wanted to, I just wanted to have, like, conversations with my male, like, friends. Not saying that they, they're, like, terrible, but just to, like, tell them, like, because I feel like they want to help. Like, a lot of my male friends, they're really good like that. Like, they want to help, but it's really hard to know what to do in yeah. that position. What would you say to, like, a male friend? Or what did you say? I think it's about, like, sh- firstly sharing stories, because I think, like, of course, men have more risk of like getting into violent crimes or like not getting into, but like being a victim of violent crimes. So for example, like, like murder and stuff like that, it's mostly men that get murdered. But the difference between like the crimes that women like are majority victim of is that sense of like violation and that sense of like impending fear, like not knowing when it's going to happen because it's not a thing of like if i get like like stabbed or murdered which is terrible but like for women in general it's a thing of when am i going to get next harassed when am i going to get next stalked like when am i going to get like i don't know like just in a in a setting where i should be feeling safe i'm being like basically not respected <laughs> or not like 
Like, for example, like the sanctity of our own bodies not being respected because someone thinks that you owe them something, like you owe them physical touch. Like, it's just ridiculous. And I think what I say to like my male friends and what they um, have said to me, like that they didn't know before I told them is like women normalize like that low level, like harassment. A lot of women don't think it will ever change. And that's like, well, I mean, it's the UN, UK women's statistics. I don't know how seriously they did their statistic, statistical like evidence gathering, but I think it was like 96% of women say that this will never change. And it affects women like young, old, beautiful, not beautiful. It doesn't matter as long as you're a woman, like it affects you. And a lot of men don't realize that it does affect most women. And that's not, that's not their fault. It's something that like, it's something that you can only really know if you have discussions with women, like how serious this is, because otherwise it's just statistics. And what does that yeah. even mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to say one other thing is if anyone, um, lady, female listening to this podcast goes on the TFL and suffers any form of harassment, you can risk report to visible platform. We had a, the co-founder on a few episodes before. I think it was 76 or 74. They own the thing called visible platform and you can just report them and they'll help you set up a case and then we'll make it as easy as possible for you. So yeah, we hope at least that helps with that case because I think at the time when this releases, some restrictions would have released so people may be on the TFL. So if stuff, well, I hope it doesn't, but if stuff does ramp up, then just use that platform at least to start with on TFL. Yeah, as Hamish said, like we have had, and I mentioned as well, we've had other episodes as well, like that we have talked about this too. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of today's episode, but yeah, Hamish mentioned visible platform and yeah, there's, we've got a few other resources in the links. I'm sure there'll be some other links in this show notes as well uh, if people want to check out. But yeah, we are coming to the end of the episode. And yeah, we end it off with some like final questions, call out and a shout out. So one of our f- first final question for you, Oz, is uh, what's your go-to Tesco meal deal? Man, I have it down to like every time I go, I get literally this, yeah. So I start off with beef and horseradish sandwich and it's only because that's one of the only sandwiches that has white bread in Tesco. Are you not a fan of? And I don't like bre- brown bread is terrible. Oh, what about fifty fifty? No, 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 get out of here. White bread has literally nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's lovely. It's great. <laughs> Fair <But> enough. Not, <laughs> if it has nothing for me, it wants nothing from me. It's great. <laughs> and then I follow it up with like, you know, those snackable meats, yeah, like yeah. Raiders, because I like meat. <laughs> and then I finish it off with uh, innocent bubbles. Okay, you're maximizing the price. It's, it's a little bit more healthy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's good. Good. <laughs> oh, I started off a bit rocky. I'm not going to lie. The the beef and horseradish was like, okay. Get out of here. No, the I don't agree the thing. I don't, I don't I feel like I haven't seen that often. Ara, what is your Tesco meal deal? I'll probably go for the triple chicken sandwich because you get three sandwiches. So wow. maximization or the chicken stuffing. Maximization. <laughs> chicken and stuffing and bacon sandwich. And then I'll probably go for maybe the popcorn as a snack and then maybe like an innocent smoothie. Okay. So we agree on only But the part. innocence kind of <laughs> new because I kind of was like, oh, you know what? I'll be a bit healthy, but it might just also just be like a Coke or something. 
I remember you. You look for the highest price everything that you could get. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes deal. I, because I, I've been Tesco with you, and I would never buy a meal deal. Sometimes right. it's, it's mate. Do you know how good it is when you go to self checkout? You check in the stuff, and it comes to like five quid, and then you put it all together, and it comes back down to three, and you're like, oh, mad, done a madness. <laughs> okay, cool. Next question is, what's next for you? Okay, so I'm I'm gonna plug my spoken word. So yeah, like I said, I'm gonna have some spoken word like with music on spotify shortly and also i want to get my youtube up and running as well because i have some performances that i want to put up there so like yeah watch the space if you want to check me out on Oz- on instagram as well osbub underscore is my name but yeah there should be new stuff on there that's what's next for me yeah keep in touch with our socials and we will like share it when when it's all released and i'm sure we'll put we'll put the links to all that stuff in the description too. Third and final question. So this is a question we ask every guest and that is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? So my flatmate has a boyfriend and sometimes when they're having like their lovey dovey moments, I'll literally, (laughs) I'll literally, so, so the PlayStation is like in the general space area. I'll literally put in my headphones and start playing Warzone <laughs> because I'm like, I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> like, let me just be the weird, awkward, like, child of their, like, relationship. <laughs> just like playing Warzone. <laughs> can't hear you. La 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 la. Oh, smoochy smoochy. Oh. <laughs> you should try it, like, without the headphones. Yeah. Just turn up the volume and just see what they say. <laughs> just try it out once. Just see what happens. <laughs> and that's my next time you're playing Warzone. And if you ever join us, or like on stream or like whenever we start. I'm going to say like, <laughs> that's bad. The next section is a call out slash nomination. So you can nominate one or many people to hopefully be a guest on in the future. And we'll tag the socials in the Insta post. So yeah, who would you like to nominate? So I think I want to nominate four people. Okay. You don't have to keep them all in. None of but, um, <laughs> So Leyline, L-E-Y, I think it's dot L-I-N-E. Her name is Layla. She does amazing, like, art. Yeah, I want to, like, kind of nominate her. And then I want to nominate Zeph Draws, um, Joseph. He did computer science at Warwick, actually. So I think he, you might know him. I'm not sure. Delams, uh, who's a music producer, and he also did computer science at Warwick. And then finally, Nyota, N-Y-O-T-A-A. Yeah, she's the, she's the girl that um, I got to work on her album with, and it was amazing. So, yeah. Shout out her as well. And last bit, a <laughs> shout out. So basically anything, anything you want to plug, just like give a bit of shout out to and put links to it in the description. So yeah. Anything else? Ooh, I don't know. I've literally forgotten about <laughs> this question. <you> know? <laughs> so your socials, your YouTube, your... Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's true. Don't worry. We got you. Aliou. <laughs> okay, cool. So Ozbarb, O-Z. B-A-R-B underscore. That's my Instagram. And at the moment it's out of sync, but hopefully I'll get back into sync and it looks amazing. Like aesthetically, it's very pleasing if I do say no, my, so nice. myself. And then my YouTube is Oz Poetry, Ozbar Poetry. And that's pretty much it. And then finally, yeah, my spot, the Spotify album, 21 and Lost by Nyota. It's a really good album if you like that kind of like very jazzy R&B style. Sweet, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hamish? 
I got a good few shout outs. So the first is going to be from our boy Loki. So this is not the lyricist. Well, not the oh, more well-known lyricist or OFB. <laughs> no, no, not the more well-known Loki. And not the one from OFB. This is one of our friends who's been a previous guest on like episode 43 or so. He released his EP called The Wake. It's a banging EP. I've been playing on stream as well for those of you who are interested in also joining us on stream. That's the second plug right there. I was going to just mention a few tracks I've been listening to and repeat recently. Uh, Welcome to the Hood by Bugsy Malone. Um, Teach Me by Heady One. And yeah, I'll leave, the, leave out those tracks. And then also also visible platform um, where you can report harassment on the TFO. So yeah, please check out all those. I'm going to shout out a podcast called List Envy. Uh, I recently went on there as for one of their episodes and we like talked about top five, our top five biopics. so like biographical films and the podcast is just, it's run by a guy called Mark Stedman and each episode he has a guest on and they do top five something. And yeah, it's quite cool. They got, Loads of different topics, but go check out my one because my mom was about biopics and if you're interested in that. Um, and yeah, that's awesome. Uh, thanks, Islam, for coming on. Yeah, nice meeting you. Yeah, you too, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. And yeah, hope everyone else enjoyed it. And we'll guess, I guess we'll just speak to you next week. All right, see you guys. Have a good day, everyone. Bye. 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 Studios, my second home. That's why I have it in my bedroom. I really do this all on my own. The shark quarry and my brother home. He was here from the day one. And not gonna lie, he's a real one in my team.